Welcome to the second season of our Triune Pod. We are still preparing you to praise. Join me, the Reverend Nick Comiskey, and the Reverend Bendy Hart for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the Psalms. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. to our triune pod nick and ben here guys nick how are you doing i like to just jump right in but how are you doing how are you really doing wow i am doing well i'm doing well i'm enjoying the summer a little calmer you know what that's not true i don't feel like that's true for me but um the summer has been nice the weather is good i love being outside ride my bike so yeah it's fun time of the year what's the temperature out that way is it like 95 like in birmingham it it has been but We've been, we're in this little cool stretch. So it's like in the eighties. Yeah. It's, okay. nice. it's really nice actually. Yeah. I've realized I don't really complain about that too much down here only because I'm just never outside. Whereas in New York, you're outside all the time, walking to the train, walking 10 blocks, whatever. And New York can get pretty hot, but here it's just like, man, I am inside all the time. Especially yeah, on, with the Peloton. Like you're I on your Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm outside all the time because I ride my bike a lot or whatever. But man, this this is not the content people are here for. <laughs> now, the content that the people are here for, though, is so listeners, I have discovered that Nick Kamiski and Church of the Apostles, they have been going through the Holy Spirit. So he's got a lot of knowledge in the Holy Spirit. It's It's in his head right now because he's been studying for it. I want to ask you, Nick, I mean, the third person of the Trinity, the overlooked member, in all this study, what do you have to inform our listeners on on the Holy Spirit? I feel like this could be really good. Give us, give us something worthwhile. <laughs> ben, I need, I need, I need, like, when we agreed to do this about 45 seconds ago before I pressed record, I was imagining some, like, a lightning round of questions, you know, like, yes, no, multiple choice. I don't really have, like, content. Just What to, did like, you talk about two days ago? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, um, I talked about, I, I talked about this, the language uh, that Paul uses about being filled with the spirit and contrasted that with the question surrounding baptism in the spirit. And mm. I tried to make this case that there is this meaningful distinction between those two terms and baptism in the spirit is like synonymous with how like Paul talks about being sealed with the spirit, like baptism in the spirit immersion in the life of God is something that is just made true of you by virtue of your new birth in Christ. And so mm-hmm. there's like anxiety surrounding Have I been baptized in the spirit? I think that's like not a very biblical way of thinking about your identity in Christ. However, I think the question of being filled with the spirit and seeking to be filled with the spirit is, is not the same thing. So mm-hmm. to like, you know, maybe draw to find a point on it. I think, I think it's accurate to say, you may be baptized, like you may be sealed with the spirit in baptism, but you may not be filled. Like you may not be appropriating that gift in a way that God would want for you otherwise, if that makes sense. You know, so the liturgy goes, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked. and marked as Christ's own forever. And yet, like, it's as if, like, I mean, the spirit's there, but we, we want that, that cup to be filled. Exactly. You want, to, you want to drink deep, man. So yeah. how, do you, how do you get filled? How do you get that that gas in that tank? Um, well, 
especially when it's like, you know, five, $6 a gallon these days. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Joe Biden. Now, um, yeah, um, you who are kidding you. Um, I think you come to Jesus, man. In John seven, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are thirsty and I will, you know, give you water. Uh, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from you. I think, I mean, this, I, I feel like I'm literally just recapping my sermon for you, man. I think, I think the idea, you know, to use an analogy from our natural lives, like you can't drink water sporadically and expect to be filled. And so in some ways, I think it's, it's, it's about having a perpetual, insistent um, coming to Jesus. You know, that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but whether it's prayer or fellowship or study or worship, there's just means of grace by which we lay hold of Christ by faith. And it's that simply coming to Jesus that I, I believe is like, what is the doorway into fullness? So yeah. it's not, you know, it's not about ecstatic experiences or like Grand Canyon trips as wonderful as those are. I think like the main and plain of it is just kind of always thirsting. So always coming, always believing, always grasping by faith, what God has done for us in Jesus. I mean, it's just the gospel, you know, but I think there's like a way in which the biblical framing of like being filled can kind of, in some ways provide structure for your own walk with Christ, like such that you can kind of have a concrete, uh, concrete's the wrong word, have a kind of like fleshed out idea of like, what am I doing when I approach God in prayer or in Bible study? It's like, yeah, man, you're trying to get filled up, you know, <laughs> like you, you want to have that energy and the enthusiasm and the sober intoxication of the spirit. And there's nothing wrong with like wanting that, like zip as it were. Um, so are you filled up right now? Uh, I'm, I'm profoundly empty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't think it's that helpful to us. I mean, and this is the, the, you were supposed to say yes. And let's spill it all out in the Psalm. But... This is like the dark side of preaching like this. I'm, I'm aware is that it does produce in people like, am I filled? Like, I don't know if that's a great question to ask. I mean, I no. think it's not a bad thing to like, thank God I could have more of you in my life, but I don't know how productive it is to be kind of racked with uh, uncertainty as to whether or not you are filled. You know, I think the desire to be filled is evidence that God's doing something in your life. So I think that's encouraging. Amen. Amen. Good word, folks. Look at that. So read your Bible, I guess. Pray. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Nick said it works different ways for different people. So let's go to Psalm 77. Let's go to the Bible. Let's go to this way. I want to read it. Nick's going to say something worthwhile. I will cry aloud to God. I will cry aloud and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hands were stretched out by night and did not tire. I refused to be comforted. I will remember the works of the Lord and call to mind your wonders of old time. I will meditate on all your acts and ponder your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who works wonders and you've declared your power among the peoples. By your strength, you have redeemed your people the children of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and trembled. The very depths were shaken. The clouds poured out water. The skies thundered. Your arrows flashed to and fro. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea and your paths in the great waters. Yet your footsteps were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. All right, Nick, is this all about the Exodus or what's this all about? Uh, I do think it's all about the Exodus. I mean, I think there's ways, that, there's a lot of good theology here in the Psalm that I want to get to, but I also want to start, we are not reading the 
the entirety of the psalm. This is one of those different tracks you can do in the lectionary. And this is one of the tracks for this coming Sunday, Psalm 77, a selection of Psalm 77. I think what you miss if you just listen to what Ben said at the outset of this conversation from Psalm 77, I think you actually miss the real drama of this psalm. And the drama of this psalm is following. The psalmist begins by crying aloud to God, coming before God in a day of trouble. And what you didn't read, Ben, because it's not a lectionary, is a firsthand account of when prayer does not work. Uh, in verse three, the psalmist says, I think of God, I am restless. I ponder and my spirit faints. You will not let my eyelids close. I am troubled and I cannot speak. So I'm transposing this in the 21st century experience, but my, my read of this is that the psalmist is anxious or he's you know, troubled and he comes before God or she comes before God in prayer and it is not medicinal. It's not therapeutic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help. It's like, I was, you don't feel filled. Yeah. Yeah. You're I was like, I was feeling anxious about something or I, you know, like I like have some thought just circling in my head and I can't sleep at night. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to journal. I'm going to approach the Lord and work this out. And then you do that. And it's like, I still, I'm still anxious. I still cannot sleep. God, you will not let my eyelids close. I think that's it. the first half of the Psalm is this like, sometimes you're anxious and sometimes you approach God in prayer because of that. And sometimes it doesn't help. So then yeah. what do you do? And I think this Psalm in some ways is about what do you do when you approach God in prayer and it doesn't help. So and tell what, us, Nick, what do we do? Please. Well, <laughs> I'm dying. well, I think the answer is verse 11. I will remember the works of the Lord and call to mind your wonders of old time. The word remember in English is a relatively puny, inert word. It's like something happened in the past and I'm remembering it. But in the Bible, and you've talked about this in different points over these last two years of podcasting, in the Hebrew Bible, remembering is the power of the past being brought to bear on the present. And that is a grace of God. This is not just human ingenuity or human devotional vigor. This is God, the Holy Spirit, bringing from the past events into the present such that you can feel the power and magnitude of what God did long ago. And so the psalmist is anxious in their day of trouble. They cry aloud to God. They come before God and it doesn't help. And so the psalmist meditates or muses or brings into his or her heart the memory of what God has done in days of old. It's like we talked about last week, you know, you listen to yourself and you think I'm anxious, but then you also talk to yourself and you through graced memory bring into the present that which God has done. I mean, I know like your former rector, Jake Smith, you know, he talks about this in the language of like objectivity. It's like, you know, our subjective experience of God is rooted in his objective truth. And so for Christian readers of this Psalm, you know, we can look, think about the Exodus as an event in and of itself, but we could also think about our once and for all deliverance from the power of sin and death and the cross. But there's something here about when you are not finding prayer satisfying emotionally or spiritually, you kind of have to rest on something more firm than your own experience. And you have to bring into the present the power of Christ's death. Um, or the exodus or whatever, you know, there's lots of ob objective events you can lean on, but does that make sense? That kind of movement yeah, yeah. of the soul? I mean, I think let, let's problematize this a little bit just because, I mean, I think, you know, college, Grove City College, Ben, who was getting a lot of, uh, you know, conservative reform theology, which a lot of it was really good. 
uh, would, would read a psalm like this and, and then go to an extreme of like, well, see, your feelings and your experiences don't really matter at all. It's all about this objective event. And that really is good news, right, on some level, because sometimes I just, I don't know why I feel the way I feel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there there's also throughout the psalms, this this kind of joyous embrace of subjectivity and just reveling in that but yeah here maybe it seems a little bit less so it's like all right i've i've been crying aloud i have you know taken 10 deep breaths like they tell me to in the new york city um, billboards uh maybe I've, I've said the jesus prayer a few times but i am still anxious about my future i'm still and then um yeah i mean so yeah well, yeah, we're not feeling I mean, I, it, but I, I do want to feel it. I oh, 100% you want to feel it, man. I am certainly not saying like your subjective experience doesn't matter. I know you're not accusing me of that necessarily, but you know, uh, the NIV, you know, like so we're reading from the prayer book, which is a very poetic, much more poetic way of reading the Psalter. But in the NIV, there's the uh, in so verse nine says, Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger oh, yeah. withheld his compassion? Oh, yeah, it's Same like Luther, more, it's like Luther, you know, like, Oh my gosh, has God forgotten to be merciful? And then verse 10 reads like this. Then I thought to this, I will appeal the years when the most high stretched out his right hand. And to, I don't think this is, this is not good exegesis, but you know, the word appeal, the way the word appeal functions in our use of language, like in a legal setting, it's like the lower court issues a decision and you don't like it. So what do you do? You appeal to a higher court. And I think in some ways what the psalmist is modeling here is, I sought the Lord in prayer and it actually made me feel even worse. So I appealed to, a, not to my experience, but to a, a, something that's more solid, you know, the years when the Most High stretched out his hand. And as if to say, it's not about negating the significance of experience. It's about when, you know, in some ways, this is underscoring how central our experience is in our life of faith. You know, you, in order to be comforted in the present tense, to have that balm of Gilead applied to your soul, you, sh you sometimes have to appeal to yeah. what God has done in, in, in ages past because you, your own fog might be too dense for mindfulness to dispel, right? Yeah. Do you think also, like, I mean, Psalms like this, and I'm glad that you brought in the verses that we did not read because, I mean, <laughs> those are the ones that resonated with the most. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, do you think that, we Christians, we either, on the one hand, we talked about a little bit about this last week, we kind of stay put in the why God why. On the other hand, a whole lot of us are, are very quick to jump to the conclusion of this psalm. Okay, you know, you, you've done this before, but like, yeah, I mean, when I, when I hear you explain this, I think of like the full range of human emotions. And I think of, <laughs> I think of actually back to, uh, uh, like five or six years ago when, when some girl broke up with me and I was so devastated by it. And I think pretty early on people, and again, in, in, a, in very well-meaning ways are trying to be like, oh, God's for you, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like I needed that like scream in the pillow, vent at God, uh, go through an actual experience of being like, hey, I've prayed, but I'm not feeling anything. But the I guess what's hard is this psalm is, I mean, it's as long as it is, it's not very long and you read it in one sitting. And so you think, like, okay, I've gone through it all in one sitting, but almost like it, it shows 
<laughs> like a three year period or something. Yeah, it compresses. It, it, yeah, it compresses. It yeah. compresses um, so, something that in in actual experience takes a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's a very very tricky thing to talk about discursively because we are we are you know somewhat conversationally talking about something that has to be so lived on an individual basis, right? I mean, I am a firm believer in the maxim, you got to feel to heal, right? And mm -hmm. so if you are, we've used this language a lot, if you are full of grief or anger or sadness, then the only way to empty it is by tipping it over and letting it all spill out. You know, it, it's not just going to evaporate instantaneously. It has to be emptied. I mean, I always think about it's kind of like dramatic, but I think of like, you have to drain the wound, you know? And if, and, it, and so, yeah, man, you got to feel the heal. And so you might have to have several instances of, you know, Psalm 77 verses three through uh, 10 before you get to 11. Right. Yeah. But I, uh, you know, and I think what's hard on an individual basis, again, that's why it's very good to have a pastor, you know, that's why you're not supposed to go at this alone. It's like, there are times to lament and there are times to honor the need to lament and, and emote. Mm -hmm. And then there are times when you have to say, okay, I've emoted, I've listened to myself. Now I have to talk to myself. And there's just not a simple way to know when a is appropriate or when B is appropriate. You just have to be in it. And you, you know, hopefully you have a good counselor or pastor yeah. who's walking alongside you and can kind of gently, as best as he or she is able, say, I wonder if it might be a good time to lament a little bit more. Like I feel like you're rushing through this and that cup of sadness still is like a third full. Like you're not going to be able to get rid of it. And you know, or it's like, okay, you've lamented. You have a pretty clear sense of what's wrong. Now it's time to like bring God's truth into the conversation as well, right? It's just there's yeah. not. Is a that right what happens wrong. in grief groups? That's an honest question. I, I've heard of grief grief groups and after you know, after church splits, after like you, the loss of a child, it's just like an actual absolute worst thing. Do you know anything about grief groups and like if that's kind of the you know people can kind of vent, but then there's like, all right, well we don't want to stay in this forever because if there is something like that, man, I could I feel like we could learn a lot from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're an AA for like, it doesn't have to be just grief, but uh, an AA for like <laughs> shit's hit the fan of my life. Yeah. I've got to feel it, but I got to get past it. <laughs> I mean, I would say, I think a lot of people would say like, good, like, a, you know, anyone go to an AA group, like you can go to an AA group and benefit from the, the notion of being overpowered, you know, by emotions. Right. So um, I think there's like, yeah, I have actually never been to a grief group. I've they've been recommended to me several times, but I just haven't found that helpful, I suppose. I mean, I haven't been to one, so I can't say they have, but like that that idea didn't really appeal to me in some ways, but that probably says more about me and not maybe yeah. good things no, it about doesn't me, me but. either. But for me, I'm not speaking for Nick here, listener, but for me it's like I'm, I'm would probably be just like, oh, I don't want other people knowing this, or like, yeah, I don't want to step through that door. Uh, yeah, so kudos I, to you who've had the boldness to do that. But I hundred <laughs> percent, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's hard because of like, and this might be an argument for like needing to go even more so. But I, I feel like I'm just surrounded by people who are constantly like, "How are you doing? What's going on? 
you know, like I'm not starved for that. And so it's like, I'm, it's not like I live in this atomized professional world where it's like, no one's even one, like no one even knows my name. It's like, I'm like the opposite. I'm like, I feel like there's too many people inquiring about my well being. (laughs) You know, like I need some distance people. Uh, I'm not speaking to anyone in particular, Uh, just saying in general. So yeah, I don't know, man, but we're okay. The last thing I would want to just draw into some, I don't know what to do with this necessarily. I don't have like anywhere this is going, but uh, just verse 19 uh, in the prayer book, your way was in the sea and your paths in the great waters, yet your footsteps were not seen. Um, and the idea that God did this wonderful thing in the Exodus, you know, but even in such an unseemingly in, incontrovertible exercise of God's power, there was hiddenness there. Your mm-hmm. footsteps were not scene i don't know how that that might not even connect to the previous yeah. conversation is that what the point of the you know i mean not the only point but part of the point of jesus walking on the waters like is that connected to texts like this i mean yeah your footsteps were not seen right, seen your paths are in the great waters here jesus is literally walking on the waters it reminds me i mean this isn't maybe this is about this maybe not but where jesus where god parts the waters Oh, definitely. In the Old I Testament. Mean, yeah. So it is really interesting. I mean, I guess we've talked about in the past ancient views of the sea um, and, and how like scary that is. And here, God, Jesus, Lord of the yeah. waters. I mean, maybe Lord of the chaos. I don't know. This, I don't, this doesn't feel like something that is necessarily native to the psalm itself. But in light of the conversation we've been having, maybe there's this admission here like, you know, we look back on things God has done. And on the one hand, it's like, God, it was so clear that back then you were for your people moving towards them to f- liberate and free them. But even then I can recognize that it wasn't that self-authenticating. Even when you parted the sea, your footsteps were not seen. So mm-hmm. maybe in the present tense, you very well might be doing something very powerful in my life, but I just can't see it because that's not oftentimes that's how God works. You know, we can see God in hindsight, but in the present, his footsteps are not seen. And maybe that is a way to kind of have that present tense comfort, recognizing that God is always doing far more than you can perceive with your senses. Yeah. And you're screaming in your pillow tonight, guys. Just remember his footsteps are not seen. Psalm 77. I will cry aloud to God. I will cry aloud and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hands were stretched out by night and did not tire. I refused to be comforted. I will remember the works of the Lord and call to mind your wonders of old time. I will meditate on all your acts and ponder your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who works wonders and have declared your power among the peoples. By your strength, you have redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw you, O God, the water saw you and trembled. The very depths were shaken. The clouds poured out water. The skies thundered. Your arrows flashed to and fro. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea and your paths in the great waters. Yet your footsteps were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. How about that episode of Our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite 
Podcast.